One of the best people in this business is Chris Trevino, and you can hear him every weekend. Not this weekend, though. The Tigers have the weekend off, but he is on the Missouri Tiger radio broadcast on the sidelines for football, analyst for basketball, mixes in some play-by-play, and he just retired doing local news in terms of sports. I got to ask you, Chris Trevino, first of all, great to hear your voice. One of the great people in this business, nicest guy ever, but retirement What's it like? Well, you know, four months in, I like it a lot, Dan. And that's probably a good thing, right? <laughs> we, we'd have some issues if I, if I had problems already. But uh, it's a good sign. Time does uh, fly. I was done at the end of June, and here we are, the start of November. But, uh, no, it's been great, and thanks for the nice introduction. Um, you know, it's just a chance, uh, as I have told you off the air before, you know, I had 32 years, which hopefully is a pretty good run in local sports. It's and a great uh, run. You know, I can't imagine I've done really anything else, but uh, the nights and weekends added up a little bit. Uh, not to get too much about me, but I, I got married, as you know, later in life in my 40s, and my wife and I have worked completely opposite schedules <laughs> since then in the almost seven years now that we've been married. And, uh, you know, by my joke, but it wasn't even a joke, it was true, was we would be home every night under the same roof, but at least one of us was usually asleep. So now right. we're actually awake <laughs> together in our free time. And again, you know, which I appreciate it, but that's not much of a stretch. So it's been good. And as you mentioned, I'm still involved with the Mizzou Tigers. And that's a lot of fun, of course, for me, especially as a graduate. Uh, oh, 33 years ago now, just about hard to believe. Boy, time flies. That's another thing I've realized about all this time really flies it does um and now we're seeing a new era of tiger football what just in a general sense what have you thought of eli drinkowitz and what's going on with missouri football right well you know i think he's really sharp i mean 37 years old now 36 when he got the job second youngest head coach uh in college football at the major collegiate level only lincoln riley of oklahoma is younger just by a few months but bright mind offensive mind that uh, we've seen some of that with the play calling and of course, the LSU game stands out when they scored 45 points and got a big win. And I remember interviewing him after the game, asking about how he'd gone so deep into his playbook if he called every play. And then I caught myself and said, but I have a feeling you haven't called every play in your playbook. And he laughed. He goes, yeah, you'll have to stay tuned and come back next Saturday. But he's a guy who's been a quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator at North Carolina State along the way. And then, uh, of course, the one-year head coaching in Appalachian State where it went 12-1 and one and led the team to the Sun Belt last year. So it's been good. He's got a lot of work. Uh, the whole season's crazy. You don't know from one week to the next if you're going to be playing a game or not. This week, Mizzou has its schedule by, so we don't think they're in action as we visit here. But, you know, they've changed locations of games. They've changed weeks of games. Missouri's clearly been up and down at 2-3, and three, really disappointing against Florida. I think Florida's a very good team legit but i i thought that game would be more competitive than it turned out but now they get two weeks to get ready for georgia here on uh, saturday the 14th but just an interesting year i feel like i'm still getting to know the man because we've been so limited you know in personal interaction and contact frankly given the covid times the lead up to this season was unlike any other but uh we're playing football on most Saturdays this fall, so that's a good thing. Yeah, how do you think he's handled, and how do you think the university has handled the COVID-19 situation just to get back on the field with all the different protocols that a university puts on it, a coach puts on it, a program puts on it, all those things that you have to handle? How do you think it's all gone? You know, I think it's gone okay, relatively speaking, and giving exactly what you mentioned. I mean, trust me, in a college town and a university setting, 
there have been a lot of restrictions on on people. I'll leave it at that. But, you know, and I know it's in the best interest in terms of the people making the rules here, but they are really looking out, obviously, for the kids and the players. And there's a lot to deal with. And, you know, the old adage, one day at a time and one game at a time, too, we hear in sports so much. But isn't that true in life in general? If nothing else this year, we've kind of learned that. You know, their numbers are really down, Dan. I think it's 64 scholarship players available for the Florida game. Of course, you normally – with full allotment would have 85 and, and most of that, you know, is not due to COVID. They just had some attrition when players, you know, transferred out, given the coaching change, they had uh, scholarships reduced by four given past NCAA issues. They've had players opt out because of COVID and they just had a slew of injuries as well. And now you added a few suspensions from that brawl at halftime of Florida. So, you know, as I do the math here, 64 minus three, pretty good, Dan, college degree. There you go. 61. I mean, they may be down to literally 60 or 61 scholarship players uh, for the Georgia game, uh, you know, when that comes around here in a week and a half. What was your, your, you know, interpretation of what you saw and how Dan Mullen acted in that? He later said he didn't even see the hit on Saturday. Then he goes out to the far hash. The bench is clear. And, you know, we're kind of seeing as the dust settled – I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm sounding like a homer here, but I'm kind of changing the way I thought about it initially. It was not a good hit. It was definitely a late hit. But you see it all the time in college football. And then I just thought he added a lot of fuel to the fire. Dan Mullen did. It, it wasn't good on either side, but what what was your interpretation of what you saw and, and how it transpired? Right. Well, I'd never seen anything like that in a Missouri football game, at least. I mean, it was just remarkable because the brawl started. And then you had like little what I called satellite fights break out along the way and they'd stop in one area. Then a few other guys would get going. They never could really get control of it for about five minutes real time. I mean, the, the clock hit zero and they were out there, put a clock on it. I bet it had to be four to five actual minutes. And there were guys on the ground, and there were punches being thrown. Yeah. Mullen, I think really did have a strong reaction and, and did not help things. He came over and I thought Drinkwood said it rather eloquently afterwards. Uh, and he didn't say it nastily, but he said, you know, the, their coach came over to our side of the field, you know, and obviously it was not a good situation in general with the, with the ball. There was a cheap shot, you know, when you see the penalty there on, on Missouri's player, Jeffco, but you know, the head coach uh, upset as he might've been, can't react that way because I think it really did instigate, uh, you know, the players to an extent, certainly it was already a difficult situation. So I think Bond's a heck of a coach. I really do. I don't know him personally. I I know he's the only coach in Florida history their first two years to lead them to top 10 finishes in the national rankings, and here they are top 10 again. But I didn't think that was his finest moment, and no pun intended. He's been fined $25,000, and then again, players on each side suspended. But that really got out of control. And I mentioned on the air live Saturday night, back in the tunnel, five minutes into halftime, after they finally cleared the field and got back there, Mullen was at the officials' locker room door and he and the Florida athletic director Scott Strickland were there David Smith the referee came out and talked to them for a few minutes so not only did you see the delay at the end of the first half after the brawl with Mullen and the officials but then during the halftime intermission that actually started later than usual he was still back he came across to their locker room so I was not at all surprised that he was fined nor was I surprised there were several suspensions handed out because that really was far beyond what you want to see Chris Trevino is my guest I I think if we're going to have a return to play in college football it looks now like the SEC may have handled this the proper way not to take away from the Big Ten and the Pac-12 but their schedule is so tight 
that if they've got teams that are going to get hit with COVID, it's going to be very tough for them to fit in the schedule and then get into the college playoff. What are people saying about the SEC and how they've handled this, generally speaking? Yeah, I think they've handled it really well. And, and I would tell you if I didn't, I don't have any attachment or feel obligated to you know, uh, sugarcoat the, the Southeastern Conference. I mean, Missouri obviously in that league, but just for the last eight years. But a lot of people at the beginning when the SEC said it was going to play said, oh, of course they'll play the other football kings and it's football, football first and foremost, and that's it. But no, they were so patient. Greg Sankey, especially the commissioner, waited. They pushed the season back, as you know, three weeks, which seemed just right. They built one break into the schedule for everyone. A lot of teams have needed and used that because of uh, postponements of games due to COVID situations and having to reschedule. And they're still going to get, it appears all teams, at least most of them are going to get most, if not all, 10 games in. I love the schedule, all conference games. Now, coaches may be different. Nick Saban from Alabama is the only one who's wanted to go from eight to nine conference games year after year because his team can certainly afford to do so and win most of them. But for the fans, it's great uh, in terms of you know all these conference games. The unfortunate part, as you know, is the limitations in terms of the numbers at these stadiums. Because, Dan, think of this. Missouri this season will have at Furrow Field Alabama, LSU, and Georgia among what turns out to be the six home games now since LSU has switched from Baton Rouge to here. I mean, that's an incredible schedule, but only 11,000 folks were allowed in due to the limitations. Only 11,000 got to see that thrilling win over LSU. But I think the SEC handled it well. I thought at the time, and now in retrospect, I still think the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 really panicked, and I thought went a little overboard that they were so uh, quick to push things back. And, of course, they got such blowback from so many people, and now they're going to try – to play better late than never. But, no, the SEC really uh, really handled this one pretty well, I think. Chris, I want to ask you, too, as you can imagine, people love to get into here in St. Louis about recruiting and what's happening with uh, Eli and, and getting into the schools and getting these kids. He, he's done a hell of a job, hasn't he, getting into the, the St. Louis area and making some inroads. Yeah, he really has, and that, that's been impressive. You know, and a lot of times there is a little bump with the coaching change and and you, you change momentum around and get excitement. That is the idea, obviously, when you hire somebody new. But, but again, I, I think he's sharp. I mean, he's 37. He's got so much energy. I think he relates to the kids. Uh, he came right in saying, and a lot of coaches do, but saying accurately so that they've got to get the talent out of St. Louis and really around the state. But you know so well all the talent in St. Louis year after year, and so much of it has gotten away from Missouri. You're not going to keep all the kids because obviously they get these big blue chip programs after them. You, you understand we're going to the national programs, but you know, so far so good. He's landed a lot of commitments. Obviously they've got to finish the deal, so to speak with the signings when, when that comes up, but you know, that's, that's the lifeblood of the program recruiting. And that's what sets the college game apart. Missouri's got to load up and get more players and better players and fill in the roster. And I again commented Saturday night during the game, what you see the difference between Missouri and some of these teams like Florida, Alabama and others is just the depth, you know, I mean, sure. Florida can afford to lose some players. And they did because of the COVID situation. And when Mizzou had a few injuries on the offensive line Saturday night, it really made life extremely difficult against the Gators. So they've got to build up the numbers and the talent. And that's the mission for the head coach. And I think you're right early on. Uh, he has certainly figured that out and uh, got some commitments from some kids around the state, especially there in your city. What are you hearing about basketball in terms of schedule, which is always fluid now for all these yeah. teams and, and just how their COVID situation has been handled. So I'll start with the schedule. What are you, what are you hearing with, with, uh, with Conzo and his schedule? 
Right. Well, I think we'll get word on that here in the next week or so. We almost have to, don't we? I mean, it's November, you know, as we speak. And of course, the season usually will be starting this week, which you didn't ask, but I think it's too early anyway. I wish right. they'd go back to starting it around Thanksgiving because it just gets swallowed up by football. Nobody even notices. And uh, it's plenty long enough. and They have plenty of games. But I think Dan, they're going to play mostly an SEC schedule, which would be 18 games home and away. I think those will be on you know, campus sites. And then they're going to have just a handful of non-conference games, but literally a handful. I mean, three or four, maybe five. The max you could play is 25. I'm not even sure Missouri's going to fill up 25 games. They had that tournament they were going to play in first in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Then it was moved to Orlando, Florida. Now that's been wiped out. So they've lost those games. But uh, I think that comes out in the next week or so. It's really fluid. Uh, we're all anxious to waiting, uh, find out, you know, what it's going to be, but mostly an SEC schedule. And, hey, you know, Missouri's got the most experienced team in the SEC and I think the third most in the country among Power 5 teams of players coming back. I mean, I think 11 of their uh, 13 or 10 of their 12 scholarship guys are seniors and juniors with a lot of game experience. So, theoretically, that should equate to success now as, you know, it's really go time, I think, for Conzo and his ball club if, in fact, they get on the court and have a semblance of a season, which looks like they will play. And in terms of health, have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I think they look good. I mean, I think the, the kids look good in practice. Uh, they, you know, they've been practicing a few weeks. As far as I know, you know, they're really good. They haven't had uh, issues with the virus or anything. Certainly not that's been shared with me. So, you know, I think they're going to be okay. And they, they've got real depth on that team. A lot of guys who have played, you know, it's a good question to ask because once the Games start, they've got to stay healthy. I mean, they've had more than 100 games lost due to injury in terms of, you know, players going back to the two porters and Mark Smith the last couple of years, Jeremiah Chilman of, of rotational players, starters or guys who play quickly you know, off the bench. They've missed more than 100 games uh, of a group of guys the last three years. And I'm not making excuses, but it's just a fact. It's hard to win when you're not at full complement for so many portions of the season. And a lot of those injuries have occurred during conference play, which has really set them back. You're the best, my man. Miss seeing you in person. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, and uh, you're doing such a great job as always on the on the radio games. I love listening to you and Mike and the crew, and so much fun. So can't wait to see you and in person very soon, hopefully yeah. sooner than later, and uh, we'll hopefully catch up on the basketball uh, front as well very, very soon. That'd be great, Dan. Thanks very much, and yeah, look forward to you on the cards broadcast. Hopefully you'll have a full season next year. We'd all be happy about that. Oh my goodness. Wouldn't we ever, that's uh, <laughs> you have, you have no idea that is, I uh, you. <laughs> yes, you do. That's uh, one of the best Chris Gervino. <laughs>